Discover unity together. Galatians chapter 1, verse 10. It talks about the difference between being a pleaser of men, a pleaser of mankind. Are you popular or are you pleasing to God? And we think, well, I want both. And so do I naturally. But if I had to choose to be popular with mankind and to be pleasing to mankind and then ignore God or follow God and let him be my guide, let him work on my popularity and just focus upon him, which one would you choose? Now, naturally, you're in church, so we'll naturally say, oh, I'll choose God. The Apostle Paul was dealing with this, with this church in an area, a region called Galatia. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. Through this series, we're going to have the challenge to discover unity together. Are we simply going to do that because we want to please people or are we here to serve God? And this sets a foundation for this entire year moving forward. Our principle for, for today is this. A gospel-focused church will be unified. When we are together focusing upon pleasing and serving God, we'll naturally be unified together. But when we're trying to serve two gods, mankind and God, we will have division and division and division. And we'll scratch our heads wondering why our programs aren't working. We'll scratch our heads wondering why there's infighting within our church family. We'll wonder why God's not bringing visitors to our church family. And we'll scratch our heads thinking, God, why aren't you doing what you promised to do? I believe it comes down to when we are not gospel focused. And I'm going to define gospel in a few moments time. In Galatians chapter number one, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. If not, it will be on the screen for you to follow. And if you have your bulletins, you better follow along in your bulletins as well. Paul, an apostle, not from men nor through men, but through Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brothers who are with me to the churches of Galatia. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. This is an introductory portion of a letter written to a churches in a region in modern-day Turkey called Galatia. And it's the book of the Bible is called Galatians as a result. And it's written by a man named Paul. I have three points this morning. They all begin with the letter A. You follow along your bulletins, you better fill, fill the first one out. And the first one is the authority. What authority is this letter being written by? And from whom? The authority is from God himself through a man who was a just a man. Now, granted, he was a very intelligent man. He was a very bold man, but he was just a man who was given a authority by God to go out and to start some churches. And he went through and started a number of churches. But he begins with a statement. 
Paul, an apostle. Paul wasn't always called Paul. I mean, if you're familiar with this, you, you'll understand. But I want to give the, the understanding for everyone here this morning. Paul used to be called Saul. Same spelling, just with an S instead of a P. And in his previous life, before he came to know Christ as his Savior, he was a young man who grew up in a home that taught the Word of God. He taught the law of God. He sat at the feet of a man named Gamaliel, which doesn't sound all that impressive to you and I, but if you were thinking of the most preppy prep school of the highest class and the most prestige, that's where he went to school. And he did very well in school. And he became what was referred to as a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the religious leaders. They were the lawyers of the day. They would know the law of God and the word of God. But through my, my research and understanding of Pharisees is through their teaching, they would have memorized the first five books of the Bible. That is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. You start reading through those books, that's a lot of memorization. They would have known the law inside and out. I mean, this is pre-computer days, too. Imagine that. And they would have read it and read it and read it. He came to the point where, as a young man, he excelled even within those studies. And he referred to himself later on as a Pharisee of the Pharisees. In other words, if I'm going to do something, I'm going to give 120%. I'm going to give it my all. So he excelled. And he grew within in favor within as a young man. And along comes Jesus, and along comes his disciples, and along comes the church, and he sees what's taking place, and these people are not following the law that he has committed his life to. So as a result of that, Paul gets permission to begin to persecute the church. And that's where we first discover Paul. We discover him overseeing the murder of the first deacons of the church, a man named Stephen. I call it a murder because Stephen did absolutely nothing wrong. And they took huge stones and they threw them upon Stephen until he died. That's the very first time we see Saul recorded in the scriptures. And then later on, Saul is on his way to a city in, called Damascus with a letter giving him authority to arrest Christians and throw them in jail. And he's on his way and Jesus Christ comes to Saul in a, in a bright light and he blind, and blinds him and blinds those that are with him. And he speaks directly to Paul and he says, Paul, Paul, why are you persecuting me? That's Jesus Christ talking. And he continues on and leads Saul to a relationship with God through himself, Jesus Christ. And much to the way that Paul is in every other aspect of his life. He didn't jump into Christianity half-heartedly. He jumped in with both feet and he became an apostle of Jesus Christ. An apostle by the authority is someone who is set aside by God, by Jesus Christ, with that, uh, with that title of apostle. But it's also one of the, the authorities is they would have seen Jesus face to face. Paul did that. And he becomes, and he grows and develops. And if you read the books of, uh, of Acts, particularly in chapters 13 through 15, it gives us the account of what we're speaking of today. In fact, um, chapter number 9 talks about his, his salvation encounter. The authority that Paul had, this man who's writing this letter, is a man filled with passion. 
He's not half-hearted like, take it or leave it. He's not living the life of do as I say, not as I do. He has gone in and says, I'm going to do everything within my ability and my power to share the gospel. He, gave, he got authority through the local church in a church called Antioch. And that church commissioned them through the Holy Spirit. And he sent him out to go on to missionary journeys. And he completed three different missionary journeys. And the first one he came to, he went to this area called Galatia. Paul, first of all, had a ministry. That's the first thing we see. It was a ministry that was not from him. The scripture says, not from men nor through man. But where is it through? Through Jesus Christ and God the Father. That's the same authority that we have as a local church. We don't do what we do underneath my authority or underneath a denominational authority. We go right back to Jesus Christ and say, God, what is it that you want us to do? We're not going to be followers of man. We're going to be followers of God. And therefore, what is it that you want us to do? God called, specifically called Paul to start churches. He was an incredible missionary where he went out and shared the good news of Jesus Christ. Paul also had a message. He had a ministry, but he had a message. His message was not his own message. His message wasn't a popular message at all. It was a message that stopped and, and caused people to repent. Repent is a word that literally means a changing of mind. I was going one direction. I found out that it was the wrong direction. I'm repenting of that, and now I'm going the correct direction. Verses 3 and 4 says, Grace to you. And peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a message of grace and peace. You imagine this man who was zealous for the things of God, who oversaw the persecution of Christians. Christians were hiding and were in fear because of Paul, because of him murdering people, because of him throwing people in prison underneath the authority of the Sanhedrin, which is the Jewish council. People were afraid, and now he's talking about grace. And now he's talking about peace. The word grace is a word that simply means God's favor upon the undeserving. He can picture himself there. He'd experienced God's grace himself, and now he's sharing it with others. You contrast the old message of follow the law to now he has a message of grace and peace through Jesus Christ. This was not Paul's idea. This was God's idea. Paul had a ministry. He had a message. But he also had an incredible motivation. And his motivation is something that you and I can hold on to today. And we can see for ourselves even today. We see the motivation is to whom be the glory forever and ever. Amen. And amen is a word that simply means so let it be. You end your prayers and you say amen or amen. It's a word that means so let it be. And he says to whom? That is to God be glory forever and ever. His motivation is the same motivation that we have. It's to glorify God. And if we can have a ministry and a message and a motivation that is God-focused. Imagine what God can do in our lives, in our families, in our community, and ultimately in our world if we 
live to glorify God in every aspect of our life. This is hot. And it's so easy on a Sunday to stand in front of people and say, glorify God in every aspect of your life. And then we go home and then reality sets in. This is the first Sunday of the year. Let me challenge you with a few things. Commit this year to not return to the failures of the past. Live in God's grace and live in His peace to move forward. If you're not reading your Bible regularly, let me encourage you, get into God's Word, either through the Bible or there's great Bible apps. There's one called Version, which you can download and it helps you through reading plans and it even keeps you on track and you can give it authority and permission to give you reminders and give you permission to give you a little surprise. You know, it says, well done, you read for five days in a row. And if you need that sort of motivation, it has those sort of things. Take these opportunities to give glory to God. The question is, what is your, for you personally, what is your message? What is your ministry? And what is your motivation? Paul also had an audience. The audience that he was writing to was, it says in verse number two, to the churches of Galatia. Now on the screen there's a map. And the map is zoomed into the northeast corner of the Mediterranean Sea. If you look on the on one side, it says the word Syria. Up above it, you have the green area is the region of Galatia. That's in modern-day Turkey. And in Paul and a man named Barnabas were sent out by the church in Antioch, and they went on to the island of Cyprus, and they ministered there for a time. Then they went up north. And if you look in there, go on to the north into the green area. They went to an area called Antioch of Poseida. Then they went across to a, another city called Iconium, and then Lystra and Derbe. And you read this in Acts chapter number 13 and 14, which referred to as Paul's first missionary journey. And he went into this area, and he, the people of Galatia, were people that were very quick to listen and quick to adopt. And what the Apostle Paul and Barnabas would do, these two men would go into these various cities and they would first of all visit the Jewish synagogue. And they began to teach, to build relationships, and to share Jesus Christ. And then they go into the marketplace and go other areas. And what would take place, of course, it would cause a stir within the Jewish community. It would cause a stir within the Gentile or the non-Jewish community. And people came to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. In Acts chapter 14, verses 1 and 2, after they left Antioch and Poseidon, they went into Iconium. And it says, now at Iconium they entered together into the Jewish synagogue and spoke in such a way that a great number of both Jews and Greeks believed. People were coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, but the unbelieving Jews stirred up the Gentiles and poisoned their minds against the brothers. Can you imagine going into a city and seeing people saved and you're thinking, God, you must be here. You must be doing something great. And all of a sudden the religious leaders the pleasers of people rather than pleasers of God, the followers of the law rather than the followers of grace and peace, began to stir up trouble. So they left Iconium. In fact, they threatened them with a life, and they ended up leaving and going down to an area called Lystra. And in Lystra, on the map, it's only like that far away. And they, they traveled across into Lystra and began doing the same thing, teaching. And there was a man in that city who was 
unable to walk and he had been unable to walk since his birth. So he'd never been able to walk. And Paul healed that man as a sign to, to the people of God's power and his ability. And people came to know Christ as their Savior. And it stirred up something within that community. And when they saw that Paul had healed this man, they thought that they, he must be one of the Greek gods. And so they thought Barnabas was Zeus. And Paul must have been the god Hermes. And they began to worship them. And the priests brought out sacrifices. And they began to sacrifice them. Paul and Barnabas stood before them and pleaded with them, Do not sacrifice to us. We are simply men. We're telling you about the one true God. And then the people from Iconium began to follow, come down. And they stirred up the people. And the apostle Paul was dragged out of the city and they took stones and they threw the stones onto him until they thought he was dead. And they left him. That's not the end of the story, just a spoiler. You imagine going into a city with an incredible message and ministry given to you by God, and the very first, well, the, was it one, two, fourth city that you go to, you're stoned with huge stones. And now just humanize this for a few moments. Now, when you think of stones, you think of rocks. Apparently, in the way that we understand, they would grab great rocks and throw them at the person. And you imagine Paul receiving that beating through those stones, and he gets hit in the head, he becomes unconscious to the point where they thought he was dead. His last thought was, here comes the stone, boom. And he anticipates waking up in heaven. Instead, he wakes up, in the cool of the evening, all by himself outside the city. He wakes up, brushes himself off, and he humanizes for a little while. Like if you ever had a dead arm, like you don't use your arm very well. Imagine having a dead body, like being beaten. Gets up, bruised, battered, wipes himself off, and walks to the next city called Derby and starts it all over again. And doesn't ask for people to feel sorry for him, but he uses this to share the gospel. Acts 14, 21 and 22. When they had preached the gospel to that city and made many disciples, this is in Derby. they returned to Lystra. They went back to the city. He had just been beaten and stoned, as they thought, to death. And Iconium and Antioch and strengthened the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. They were using, look at my bruises, look at my... Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. Paul used that persecution ultimately to share the gospel and to reach people. The, Galatia, the people of Galatia, in this region in modern-day Turkey, in these, these four cities, they had heard the truth. They were really quick to receive it. They wanted to believe something. You can see that. He went into the synagogue and many people believed, both Jews and Greeks. They wanted to believe something. In Lystra, they saw Paul perform a miracle and they began to worship him. Granted, with false gods, but they began to worship it. They wanted to believe. They didn't know what to believe. And this is something similar for us. When you do not know what to believe, you end up believing anything and everything. And that's exactly what took place in these churches in Galatia. They believed anything and everything until they had a foundation. 
Paul and Barnabas went back to their sending church in the city of Antioch, which is in Syria. They, they, they went back to that church to report what was taking place. And very soon afterward, many Bible commentators suggest it was within the same year, he writes this letter of Galatians to these churches in this area. And he finishes off with Amen in verse number 5. In verse number 5, he says, To whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. And you imagine receiving a letter. In this, this first century, receiving a letter was incredibly rare. The parchment was very expensive to write on and, and to transport. And they received this letter from their, in a sense, their father of their faith who had told them about Jesus Christ, who had led them to Jesus Christ, who had strengthened them and encouraged them. And they receive a letter and they read the first five verses and they go, the glory to God forever and ever. Amen. And then he goes into verse number six. If you have your Bible, follow along. It says, I am astonished. They go from being excited to receiving a letter to reading verse 6 and going, uh-oh, I think we're in trouble here. Because something had happened within this community where they were quick to believe anything because they did not focus upon the gospel and so they started listening to other people who were telling them to follow the law and there were some people from jerusalem who had come in and they began to teach these churches a different gospel which we'll read about in just a moment and this different gospel sounded very similar to Paul's gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it was slightly different. It was, you must follow Jesus and the law. In other words, you must be a pleaser of God and a pleaser of us. You must conform to God and also conform to us. And they talked about that through circumcision. And they talked about that becoming Jews. You must become a Jew and follow the Jewish law and Jesus Christ. And he goes on in verse 6. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not the gospel of Jesus Christ is Jesus and the law. Not that there is another one. But there, is, there are some who trouble you, who want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you the gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you received, let him be accursed. We have the authority, we have the audience, but also the third is we have the astonishment. He was astonished. He was surprised. I've just been with you and I've left and your reputation's already come back that you are now not following the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're following Jesus and something else. That's what we refer to as a false gospel. It looks similar, but it's not the same. Something I've been personally burdened about for the last couple of months, but more specifically this last month, as we're looking forward to this year. We're in day two. We have 363 days left in the year. 
this is going to be a year of, in my opinion, a year of distractions. A year where we know what God wants us to do, but look at all the other things that can possibly take our attention. And this year of distraction, it's a year that Satan can get involved and get into our church and take what is good and what is pure that unifies us together in the gospel and it changes it ever so slightly where it's no longer effective. I don't believe Satan cares what your distraction is, but he wants you to be distracted. He doesn't care if your distraction is COVID, if your distraction is your family, if your distraction is pornography or alcohol or drugs. And we often think about just the big things. We forget that really any distraction that takes us our focus off of God. When we try to please mankind rather than pleasing God, we can't do both. That becomes a false doctrine, a false gospel. Verse 7 says, Not there is any one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. This different gospel for these people was follow the law as well as follow God. This false gospel is Jesus and the law. And it sounded probably so spiritual. And it looked so good. And everything was lined up and it looked so spiritually and religious. And those people were the spiritual ones and everyone else was just following grace. And Paul comes along and says, do not follow. And that's the rest of this book. And he lays out some foundation. As we develop this over the course of this year, our thought of being together in the gospel and being unified around the gospel. Let me define that gospel for you. The genuine gospel, it says in verse number six, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. The word gospel, is, that's a biblical word that simply means and refers to the good news of Jesus Christ. It specifically refers to the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's referred to as the good news. In 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verses 3 and 4, the Apostle Paul writes this, For I delivered to you as I of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. And it was in the fulfillment of the Scriptures, the fulfillment of the prophecies, Jesus Christ died, and that He was buried, and that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. These people in Galatia were quick to believe they were looking for answers but when they looked for answers in the wrong places they ended up in a wrong destination they quickly worshiped paul and barnabas they listened to the jewish religious leaders that told them to follow the law and not follow jesus what you believe will make a difference what you believe in 2022 will affect your life you have freedom to believe whatever it is that you want You have that freedom to believe whatever it is that you want. But you do not have the ability to choose whatever outcome you want. That's the reality. The reality is you cannot choose your outcome. You can choose to believe whatever you want, but you cannot choose your outcome. Therefore, what we believe, we must make sure that we focus upon the gospel. 
is the world's most important message, is where God takes a person who is spiritually dead and gives them life through his son, Jesus Christ, through his death, his burial, and resurrection. And when you receive this gift of salvation, you are saved. It's not Jesus and the church, Jesus and your bank account, Jesus and religious practice. It's only through Jesus. And anything else is a distraction, a distortion. It's another gospel. Paul says, I am astonished. In a sense, I've just left the room. Look what you've done with the place. Now, some of you have had kids that are on school holidays and your houses may or may not look like you have children that are on holiday. And you may leave the room for mere moments and you walk back into a room and go, I am astonished. I've just left the room. It doesn't matter how old your children are. They can be older teenagers and still be astonished. That's what the Apostle Paul did. He said, I've just left you mere months earlier. And look where you've gone already. We need, if we're not too far, let's bring us back. And as a local church, we have a choice even now as we look forward to this year of what God's going to do. We have some exciting things in regards to helping start another church in the northern suburbs of Perth. We have excitement of bringing two new staff members into our church family. Every single Sunday, I would, well, I shouldn't say every single Sunday. I would say, without exaggeration, 95% of Sundays, we have very first-time guests. And if you're a guest here today for the first time, welcome. Thanks for being at church today. We have opportunities that God's bringing to us every single week. We don't want to miss these weeks. We don't want to miss the opportunity to share the good news of Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And as we look forward, we must understand that there's no such thing as two truths. There's an author named Walter Martin who said, Truth by definition is exclusive. If truth were inclusive, nothing would be false. I'm going down to Galatians chapter 1, verse 10, which we started with. Paul says, For am I now seeking... Paul used to seek the approval of mankind. He used to seek the approval of the law, but he says, I found the true gospel. I found the truth, and now I only want to follow Jesus Christ. As we move forward this year, I want you to finish this sentence in your minds. Together we can dot, dot, dot. And maybe God's burdened your heart for a particular ministry. He's burdened your heart for a particular person or community. Maybe you're starting with your own family. You're thinking, together we can dot, dot, dot. What can God do in your own life, in your own family, within our church, and within our community, if we are unified together with the gospel? Lord, as we move forward into this year, Lord, I pray that we will put you first that you will bring to mind the areas of our life that we need to change, bring to areas of, in our life that we need to conform to you and your will. Lord, I pray for the unity of our church and also the purpose and the ministry and the message of our church. Lord, I pray that we'll be so aligned with you that everything that we do is ultimately successful because of what you are doing, 
not because of our skills, not because of our ability, but because of what you are doing. Because we want to give you the glory and the praise that you deserve. And in Jesus' name, amen.